Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ media production. Every single week we talk about our ongoing thesis and that is digital hospitality. Every business needs to be digital first and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. Now, what exactly does that mean? That means that we teach digital storytelling. How can a small business owner, an entrepreneur, whether you're in sales, whether you're in marketing, how can you use your smartphone to start to tell your story? Use the video app, turn it into audio, create written content out of that, create images out of that and post it all over social. But most importantly, post it on your website. Your website is your e-commerce site. Um, everybody that listens to this podcast, we're so grateful to have made so many connections all over the world. You guys are the reason that every single week we're driven to drive new people to the show that have an incredible story that do their craft in a way that nobody else does. The people we bring on the show are playing the game within the game. Uh, today's guest is Dave Williamson. He is a comedian. Um, that travels all over the United States. He has incredible content, but as an extra bonus, he's also a pit master. He also is a podcaster and um, he's got just a phenomenal story. He's doing a show at Cali. He's kicking off his comedy tour, traveling all the way from uh, Los Angeles to San Diego, all across the States to Memphis in May, which is the Super Bowl of barbecue. Um, and he's doing it at all these barbecue restaurants away. And I, uh, I love the story. Uh, there's a lot of lessons that can be learned no matter what business you're in, um, especially with a guy that knows how to get Warren G onto his podcast. So we're going <laughs> to kick off this uh, this episode with a storytelling sit down from uh, from Dave about how he how he landed Warren G on his podcast and why that is the game within the game in digital hospitality. Uh, there's definitely a backstory there that feeds right into what you're talking about, because I found out that Warren G was the big barbecue guy. And so I got excited. And when I first started my podcast, I knew he was a dude. I was like, I'm going to try to network into getting him on my podcast somehow, some way, because he, uh, I was a big fan. I was a huge fan of Warren G growing regulators? up. Regulators? Who isn't yeah. a fan? If you're not a fan of regulators, you might not have a pulse. Yeah. And, and I'm like the perfect age to where that was like, I was in high school when that song hit and then bought all of Warren G's albums. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big Warren G fan. So when I found out he was a big barbecue head, I was like, ah, me and Warren are going to be best friends, you know? So uh, I sent out some media requests. I couldn't, I couldn't get, um, I couldn't contact anyone to make it happen. And I even called in favors to some um, industry people I know that might have more luck getting in touch with his people and couldn't make it happen. So uh, then I saw him posting on his social media that he was going to have a contest during the pandemic, uh, a, a, a barbecue cook off. Right. So I was like, well, if I can't get Warren G to come to me, I'll go. To, yeah, I'll go to him. Barbecue is his is his uh, Instagram handle. It's his barbecue business. And yeah. that was that was what that's what alerted you. you. You were alerted to it on Instagram. Right. Yeah. So I, I was like, if I can't get him to come to me, I'll go to him. And so I applied for his thing and they, they hit me up. His people hit me up. They're like, we want you to be a contestant on this. I'm like, I'm in. So I, I, uh, I got in, I did a, an Instagram live with him where I was cooking uh, pork grenades, which is pulled pork inside avocados wrapped with bacon. And uh, you know, I got to do a whole interview with Warren and talked about what I was cooking. And we're talking about both of our barbecue journeys and whatever. And so then after it was over, 
I asked his production guy, hey, would you guys mind if I ripped this audio and put it up as an episode of my podcast? They were like, yeah, sure, man, go ahead. And I'm like, all right, I just got warranty for my podcast. <laughs> it, I, I listened to the episode this morning as I was, you know, getting a deep dive into Dave Williamson. And I, it, it's the essence of why I love podcasting. It's the essence of why I love digital hospitality. It's, it's literally all these, oh shit, internet moments where no matter what your interest is, you can go down a path that you never thought existed. You can have a conversation with someone you grew up listening to fucking regulators, Warren G, but you find this subculture of his passion for barbecue and sniffing Griffin's barbecue. And you're like, how can I get him on my show? You don't even get him on your show. You go on his call to action and repurpose the content for your show. Yeah. It's fucking it's literally, it's literally the masterclass on how to do repurpose content and why it's important. It's one of the coolest things about podcasting in general, right? Because before podcasting, most mediums, even the closest reiteration, which is radio shows, uh, was very formal, right? There's a format. You try to stay within it, certain certain constraints, even time-wise or whatever. But with podcasting, you can take so many liberties. And the only necessity is that people will enjoy listening to it. That's it, right? So that's why when I came up with the barbecue podcast idea, I didn't call it like the barbecue show with Dave or anything like that. I just called it meet Dave. Yeah. Cause that ain't these two things. It's the play on word with meat. So, you know, it, it's, it's loosely based around barbecue and just the meat, you know, genre. Um, and it's me meeting someone or someone meeting me. Uh, and it's, I didn't want to be pigeonholed into it just being pit masters or just being barbecue. So you know, I've had a lot of comedians on and we just talk about, you know, what kind of meals they had growing up. I've had people on from Australia and we talk about or, or other countries and we talk about what the meat culture is like in their country. I've had butcher shop people, you know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be. I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into it just being barbecue owners, but it's just loosely based around people who are into barbecue culture, what they'll find interesting. Well, what what I love about your story, Dave, is like it's it's the subculture of the subculture. I mean, you're a comedian by trade. It's what you do. I'm a barbecue restaurant owner by trade, but I've combined my love of media, marketing, social, and I've made Cali barbecue media and I'm using podcasting, audio storytelling with a video component to literally live out my thesis, interview people that I find interesting and hopes that you, the listener, people that are listening to this show that know this show, they know that, you know, last week I was talking to Jim Trotter from NFL Network. Now I'm talking to a comedian awesome. like next week. It could be a restaurant owner with, you know, 35 restaurants, or it could just be somebody that, you know, is that I find compelling that maybe is a doctor who knows what it is, but the trust is there because of how long and I've done it. That as long as I'm pursuing this digital hospitality thesis of people playing the game within the game, the more that I have conversations like this, the more that I learn. Sure. And look, the food in the barbecue is maybe what initially connects us, but I think uh, uh, what really makes barbecue special is the community aspect to it. And you can never separate barbecue from community. Literally, it, it, if you say, hey, why don't you come over and barbecue this weekend? It doesn't even necessarily mean you're going to have barbecue. It's just Correct. I'm inviting you to a party on a Sunday afternoon to watch football, right? There might be fire. There might not be fire. We're just going to call it barbecue. Yeah. So so that's really uh, it, the essence of, of barbecue culture is, hey, we might connect about the fact that you have a barbecue joint and I'm a comedian and I'm going to come there and we both like barbecue. But really, it's just more about, hey, you're interesting. I think I have some interesting things to say. You know, it's it's the people behind the 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 um the genre that make it interesting to me. 
Yeah, you know, for for us every week we talk, I mean, we say stay curious, get involved and ask for help. So staying curious, you've already done step one. You're listening to this podcast. You want to learn more. You want to, you know, find out what Dave has to say that can help you with your business or whatever your your passion is or your pursuit in life is. Um, but then you have to get involved. You actually have to do something. So it's like, it's great that you want to have Warren G on your podcast, but like you actually had to fucking do something. Like you went down the traditional path which is I'm going to go and reach out to him through whatever means necessary through Instagram, through, you know, his website through now I'm going to go through the professional channel, through the PR people. And then now I'm just going to fucking listen to his call to action, which is what the internet has done. It's, it's literally decentralized all of these gatekeepers into if somebody is a talent and somebody's an influencer and somebody's making legitimate content, chances are they're probably running their own social or they have a team that understands what opportunity is on that social. So it's like somebody that's running more in G Sniff and Griffin account, like they know, Hey, this is, this is somebody that we should have on. They have you on, but then you're in the content game and you repurpose that content because you know that that story shouldn't just be for one time. It should be forever. My appearance with Warren G and now you have it as content that is evergreen content that will live there forever. When did you, when did you learn how to, how to repurpose content? I mean, I think if you're into podcasting, it's just a given, like, uh, (laughs) you know, you did my podcast the other day and, um, I for a split second thought of like, oh, we should just do one podcast and then release it on both, you know, as a crossover. But, you know, I was like, ah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do each other's because, you know, that way uh, I get to talk to you twice this week and we can specifically talk about certain things on each. But yeah, I just think, like I said before, but podcasting, there's no rules. So the fact that that was the only way I could get Warren G on, uh, you know, uh, that it worked out. I just, just a no brainer. I mean, I don't, I I don't want to, uh, over, overthink, uh, overthink it. I just wanted to release an episode of Warren G, <laughs> but I'll tell you, man, it, it's, it's such a calling card and such a, um, foot in the door to just meet people that I respect. I mean, that's part of what birthed it also is that when I was on the road, um, performing comedy, uh, I was going to go to barbecue restaurants and eat anyways. I, I it's yeah. one of my favorite things to do is just to Google or, Normally when we're working comedy clubs, we're in town Thursday through Sunday. So Thursday night on stage, I would just throw out there, Hey, I want to have some really good barbecue while I'm in town. Where do you guys think the best place is? And then everyone's got an opinion. And then after the show, <laughs> opinion about barbecue shocking. Yeah. And then a- after the show, it gives them something to come up and talk to me about. And they're like, Oh, you were asking about barbecue. Go to this place. Don't go to this place, you know? And so normally I would uh, take all those opinions with a grain of salt and form my own opinion. Right. But I found some great places through that way. And then um, a couple times, too, someone who works at the barbecue restaurant is at the at the show. And they're like, hey, I'm a manager at so-and-so. Come by tomorrow. I got you guys lunch. You know, and I'm like, oh, can I sit down and interview? Yeah, for sure. And I've made some great friends that way. Um, and then sometimes uh, through the, the podcast, I've made friends with people that I would have never reached out to otherwise and found out, like you said, they're way more accessible than I would have ever guessed. Um, Chef Art Smith is an awesome dude. He's been on every TV show. Uh, he was a, a judge on Pitmasters forever. Uh, he was um, Oprah's personal chef for like 10 years. He's got restaurants with Lady Gaga in New York. He's got um, Chicago Q in Chicago. So I was going through Chicago. That was on a tour. I was opening for Burt Kreischer. And so we were at the Chicago theater and uh, I just, I just Googled best barbecue places in Chicago. And that was on the list. The one, uh, uh, and so then I looked up who the owner was 
and it said Art Smith. And I wasn't super familiar with him, but I recognized the name. And so I just went to Art Smith Instagram and I messaged him and said, hey, man, I'm going to be in Chicago doing comedy. I have a barbecue podcast. I'm very passionate about barbecue. Do you have time to sit down with me? And Art Smith himself wrote me back and said, I actually live in Florida, but I'm flying into Chicago right now uh, to meet with uh, for a meeting. He's like, I can meet you uh, tomorrow night for dinner at six o'clock if you want to meet at the restaurant. Yeah, I'm in. I sat down with him, had dinner with him uh, for for an hour uh, at at the restaurant. He told me all these awesome stories about cooking for the Obamas and, you know, and and all these like famous people and and really cool experiences he's had that that food unlocked for him. And then I got an Uber and I hauled ass to the theater and it was the coolest thing to do. I went literally for an hour of having awesome food, hearing great stories from Art Smith to running out of an Uber, running up on stage, grabbing the mic. Like I got there barely in time for 2000 people at one of the most historic theaters in the country. And I'm just like, this was a good night. <laughs> That's that is un- incredible. I love that. And I mean, part of, you know, we talk about digital storytelling. I, you said that there's what compels you to podcasting, which I'm sure compels everyone to podcasting is you make your own rules. Are there rules to comedy? Wow. That's a loaded question. <laughs> I mean, in a perfect world, no, in a perfect world. The only rule is that, uh, people laugh. Um, or, or at least that's uh, at least, uh, you don't have to laugh every <laughs> single line. I mean, some of it's building tension, some of it's making the audience think, but ultimately you want them to laugh. I mean, that's the essence of comedy, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that, that kicks off a much bigger debate that people like to have about, you know, how offensive can comedy be, but that's personal preference, man. Some people like doing super offensive shock comedy and some people like listening to super offensive shock comedy. I don't think it, I don't think it has to be one thing or the other. It's as long as you have an audience that finds you and likes what you do, then there is no rules. No. And for you, when, when did you fall into this love of, of comedy? You know, I, the cliche answer is I was always the class clown. I enjoyed (laughs) making people laugh. I, uh, it's one of my favorite things. When, when I had a tough situation growing up, I used to always disarm uh, or deal with it through comedy. When I was a kid and watched Full House, I identified with Uncle Joey much more than Uncle Jesse. You know, uh, I just um, I just always enjoyed being that guy. I love holding court at a dinner party or at a, you know, or at a party in college and making sure everyone has a good time. So the fact that there was a profession that leaned into that, uh, I just gravitated towards it. Um, you know, I was in the car business, my father's, uh, and my, my uncle and my grandfather, we, we have a, a car, a car dealerships in South Florida that I grew up in. And so I thought that was going to be my path. Um, and I really, really, really enjoyed the car business a lot, but, uh, I enjoyed this little hobby I picked up of stand up comedy even more. I loved, um, you know, making people laugh and making them happy and inviting my customers out to shows. And so I could go through a whole uh, you know, I could go through a week of, of, um, of, of working at the dealership and, you know, here we are a family business business that's done thing right for generations and giving people, uh, a good place to work and a good place to, to thrive and customers, a place they can trust to come get their car serviced and, and to, to, to buy cars from us. And even with that said, uh, through all that hard work and, and established all this goodwill in the community, you still really only had people come and knock on your door if they wanted to bitch about something most of the time, you know, uh, whereas I'd, I'd change my shirt after a shift and go down to the comedy club and I'd, I'd MC for some comedian, 
um, and, and do 15 minutes on stage. And there was 300 people lined up who wanted to shake my hand and tell me what a difference I made in their week. And they were so thankful that they all had such a terrible week. And thank you for, you know, for, for, you know, making it better. And I just saw that I could maybe have a more positive influence on a a broader range of people if I leaned into that as opposed to other things I was doing. So that's, that's kind of where, where my passion for it came from. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by anybody that's dedicating to their craft to make it their profession, like especially somebody that's willing to do the work that you have to do as a comedian to work the stages and to travel and to, you know, say bye to your family and come back to your family. But, you know, so many people from the outside, they go, oh, it would be great to be a comedian. It's so easy. And they don't know the reps that go into the work that's necessary to tell a story on stage that engages an audience and elicits a response. Yeah. I, I heard a great quote. I want to say it was Ray Lewis one time said uh, that he would play football games for free that like the games are so fun and he's so passionate about it. He would do that for free. He's like, what he's getting paid for is the practicing, the uh, off season workouts, the travel. And that's the way I feel about comedy too. I mean, we, we love being on stage and doing comedy. So, I mean, I, I, would and do do shows for free but what we're getting paid for in those shoot shows is all the the sets we did around town at, at bars and and clubs for you know for peanuts uh in order to get the material to where it is so that it's a good it's good for when we go on the road and do the shows you know and it's the time away from from our family and it's the eight hours in airports just to get to that town to do the shows that weekend so that's what we're really getting paid for is all the preparation and legwork and travel time and loneliness in hotel rooms, uh, waiting to do a show that night. You know, that's what we're really getting paid for. The shows are the gravy. That's right. So how, how does Dave craft his jokes? Tell, tell me about it. How, how does a joke come to be? So really for me, I mean, I, I consider myself more of a storyteller comedian, so it's just real life stuff. You know, I could sit in front of a computer and be like, think of jokes, think of jokes, think of jokes. And never get anything <laughs> that's like authentic or yeah, or mind breaking. But what 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 happens the best is like I got a brand new joke now where I, I just went to the coffee shop uh uh like a month or two ago and I get my coffee and I, I mean, it's a true story. I get my coffee, I go to walk outside, and there's two adults that are facing each other and they've got their um hands like this, you know, across the table. It's two grown men. And I'm such an idiot. I just walk out and I see that. And I have always got to say something to everybody. So I walk up and I go, are you guys about to arm wrestle? <laughs> and the guy looks up at me and he goes, no, no. The guy looks up at me and he goes, uh, I'm praying for him. And so I still, <laughs> I still didn't catch on. I go, I like the confidence in this guy. I'm going to pick him. Right. I'm praying for him. Nice. And, and I'm still waiting for them to arm wrestle. And yeah. I go, and he looks up at me. He's like, no, no, no. I'm praying for him. He's going through a divorce. And I go like, Oh, oh. <laughs> but so the second that happened, I go, well, that's going to be material. Right. And, yeah. and it's, it's a relatable thing. It's a scenario I would have never invented in my brain if I just sat at a computer and tried to write a joke, you know, but since it really happened as I'm walking away, I'm like, that's going to be a bit. And now I'll embellish it and I'll, I'll, uh, you know, maybe take a story from something else and add it to it to make a bit that comes to a point that I want to, uh, you know, come across on stage, a point of view. Um, but you know, just inventing that scenario would have never happened and it wouldn't be as funny because it wouldn't be real, but since it really happened to me, you know, it, 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 it's something that I can, I'm sure that if I tell it enough times on stage, it's going to grow into a good bit. 
So now when you're crafting a bit back to the rules of comedy and the rules of podcasting, do you put time limits? Because what I'm curious about is on the storytelling side, on the repurposing content side, you know, I listen to your CDs that you have available on Apple uh, Music, which are absolutely fucking hilarious. I mean, I was listening to the CD you put out in 2012 and you're talking about your four-year-old son and your two-year-old son and you're talking about getting invited. Like all your buddies told you, once you have kids, you're never going to get invited to parties anymore. It's all over with. You're like, fuck that. I'm I'm going to parties all the time. It's just SpongeBob SquarePants and yeah. you know, it's like Captain Moore. Like I'm, I'm I'm bringing alcohol based off of the, the theme of the party. And I mean, it's, it's a fucking hilarious bit, but then you realize, you know, even when I'm driving on in my car and I'm listening to XM, you know, Netflix is a joke radio, it's all clips. So it's like a clip of a story and it's yeah. typically about five minute. It's a five minute bit. Um, is there, is there a rule that you follow or is there not a rule? Does it depend on, on the story? No, not really. I mean, you know, the the rules of thumb are like you want to trim the fat, you want it to be tight, you know. Um, so generally, like I'll tell a story like, you know, like right now I'm on stage. I've been throwing out that that arm wrestling thing and figure out where the definite laughs are. Right. So you figure out what's necessary for the setup to set the scene. You might flip it. You might you might find out that, you know, there's too much of a reveal or they see it coming. So you start with this and then end with this instead. So, um, it, I usually start small and then I add a ton of stuff. And then after I ton of stuff, st- st- I, I figure out where the unnecessary parts are. And then I bring it back down to wherever the, uh, appropriate time, uh, and, and word economy is for that particular joke, you know? So it's, it's really just writing on stage. Um, I think when you first start doing comedy, you don't have as much opportunities to go on stage or the confidence to figure it out on the fly. So you have to write a lot and you write every word and you practice in the mirror and you, uh, and you have to do it that way. Now, me personally, I just write down premises in my phone and I go, I want to remember to talk about this on stage and that on stage. And when I go on stage, I, uh, I, I I write it right there. You know, I I write it out, I figure it out. And then when I get off, I go, all right, I can cut that part. I've done that part two or three times. It's not getting a laugh. This part's getting a lot. Let's focus on this part. And then before you know it, you've done it so many times you kind of, uh, it, it just, it finds its own, um, rhythm. You know what I mean? So by the time it goes on an album, you've got every, every laugh mapped out, you know, it's like set up, punch, set up, punch, set up, set up, punch, you know, tag, tag, tag. And, and you just know the story so well. And now, now the challenge becomes telling it, you've told it a thousand times on stage to get it that perfect. So the, the rule in comedy is to make something seem like it's the first time you've told it, but, have it so rehearsed that, you know, it's, it's perfect. So you've told it a thousand times to make it seem like it's, it's natural. You don't want it to seem like you're just regurgitating jokes, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm kind of excited about this tour too, man, because I've been luckier than most to tour a little bit through the pandemic uh, since Bert went and did these um, drive-in movie theaters and I got to go with him. And then I, I, I figured out how to do zoom shows and I've done a few shows around LA that have been COVID safe shows. So I've been luckier than most to tour and, and perform a lot in 2020 and 2021, but haven't been doing headline sets. So I'm excited to go do a tour when you're performing headline sets multiple times a week, because that's when you really get to play with a lot of these ideas. And I have so many jokes that are half worked out that I'm just excited <laughs> to, to work, to go, work to on the material, work on a man. And yeah. And, and, and connect with the real, real audiences face to face and, 
it, it's going to be a blast, man. I, I, I don't know what to expect. There's going to be a lot of unknown with it, but I think that's going to be half the fun, you know? Um, some cities I feel really confident that I, I have a following and that people will come out and the shows, some cities, I have no idea whether I have, you know, fans that know me in that city and will come out. And I told the barbecue restaurants, Hey, there might only be 30 people here. And they're like, we're cool with it. We can yeah. handle 30. We can handle 300. Let's see what we get. You know? So, so I, I think it's going to be since the enthusiasm has been really cool online. Um, so I just really hope that people, uh, you know, come out and, and, and are, are in a, a, the kind of mood to have some fun and an unorthodox, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many times people have done comedy and, and doing comedy in restaurants and bars is not new, but barbecue restaurants, we might be pioneering something here. You are, you are definitely. And I, I actually want to talk about that, that subculture of, you know, really, because you leaned into something that you weren't doing before your barbecue journey. And by leaning in, you created all this abundance of opportunity and an abundance of community and a way to connect with fans in ways that other comedians probably don't have that same connection. Can you talk about your barbecue journey? Yeah, uh, it's my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> I uh, I was living in LA. I've always been a barbecue fan. I mean, this is, uh, here, let me show you behind me. This is a wood cutout that my girlfriend had made for me when I graduated. No, my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so this is the barbecue restaurant that I ate in almost every day of my college career it's called Byron Smokehouse in Auburn, Alabama. Okay. And when you know that I'm not exaggerating because why else would uh, my girlfriend have this made for me when I graduated college? <laughs> so I still have this on my desk. Um, so I always loved barbecue. And my dad was a huge steak and potatoes guy. So eating, eating meat and protein has been a big part of my life. And then I, I moved up to North Carolina after college. So that's another big barbecue hub. So, you know, I, I experienced Alabama barbecue, experienced North Carolina barbecue. And then I started doing comedy and working the road. Um, and I went to Texas. And a dude who I was doing shows with who lived in Texas said, hey, man, I'm going to go eat barbecue tomorrow. We were in Austin. He's like, do you like barbecue? I go, I love barbecue. I'm a barbecue expert. And he's like, oh, all right, man. He's like, uh, have you ever had brisket in Texas before? And I go, what's brisket? And he goes, you're not a barbecue <laughs> expert. He goes, I'm going to blow yeah, your mind tomorrow. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So we got up at, uh, he came and knocked on my door at 11 a.m. I was still sleeping. He's like, let's go. I'm like, why are we going so early? He's like, we got a lot to do. This guy took me to like five different barbecue restaurants that day. And I'm telling you, brisket blew my mind. And not only that, but the smoked turkey, the sausage, the pork. I'm like, this is insane. So for years, I would make sure that I had uh, Texas on my calendar, even if it wasn't like a well-paying gig, just because I wanted to go eat the Texas barbecue. And, uh, you know, I started my whole thing of when I was on the road, I'd ask people, hey, where should I eat in town, even all around the country? So then what I year? got to- What year? Give me, give me some years of when was this? Those were the, uh, I would say that was all the way up until 2012, 2012 iPhone iPhone comes out 2007. You're doing shows. When, when do you as a comedian get, start to get into social media? I mean, so there was the, it's funny. I have the time hop that pops up on my my phone now, (laughs) uh, where it shows like, um, you know, some post I posted 
in 2010 about doing a show and there was like three likes because you know? <laughs> people just weren't like it wasn't populated yet uh-huh. on there you know it was the it was a, a, a cavern you started um, started on facebook and then you go from there i remember when i first started comedy dane cook was like really blowing up because of the myspace yep. but I, I didn't understand myspace at all i was on it but i, I didn't know how to get traction on there um and even facebook and you know i had a the great thing about it was I had a lot of family and friends who uh, would support me in anything I did. So uh, the thing I utilized the most when I first started doing comedy was email lists. Yeah. I just put together, I sat down one day and I went like car dealership friends, water polo friends, high school buddies, college friends, my, my parents, friends. I just took anyone who I thought would support me. I got their email address and I put together this mailing list. And then I would, when I had shows, I would email stuff out, you know, very smart. Um, and I would say that, I mean, I've, I've tried to lean into social media a lot, uh, but I wouldn't say I got true, true traction until the past year or two on, on uh, Instagram. And a lot of that I have to thank for is the barbecue because I'd get, I'd get followers through doing these big tours with Bert and through uh, some other, like, you know, my podcasting and stuff. But I think keeping them is another story and, and actually having a connection with them is another story. And I think barbecue is what's allowed me to really connect with people because they send me messages going, Hey, I just got my first big green egg. What should I cook first? And I go, well, I, I actually write them back. And sometimes I'll even face I'll uh, you can hit the button now and FaceTime people. So yeah. if someone asks me a brisket question, I'll just message them. And they're like, Holy shit. And I'm like, uh, all right, show me the brisket. You know, <laughs> I mean, you've created your own Oh shit moment. You know, you've created your own Warren G moment for people that are fans of your comedy. They saw you on stage. You were there with Bert, like, like they loved your set. And then all of a sudden, like now you have this connection where it's like, I fucking know Dave, like Dave's my buddy, Dave's my buddy. And they go and they tell their buddies, he gives me fucking barbecue advice. Yeah. Well, and I love being buddies with anybody who's that passionate about, you know, and has the balls to tackle a brisket or to buy a smoker, <laughs> you know, and is going for it. It does. But, it, uh, does it does take a, a little bit of a sickness. It's, it's yeah. a barbecue sickness that we all have. But so to fi- the finish though, like what you asked earlier was after that trip to Texas uh, or a couple trips to Texas and really, really opening my eyes to, to how great barbecue is. I, I moved to LA in 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. And I was, there was nothing here then. There was nothing like that. So I just would tell my, I'd get mad when I'd go to a barbecue restaurant they'd like have it covered in sauce and you couldn't even taste it. So I just told my wife one day, I go, screw it, man. I'm teaching myself. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm just going to do it. And so I went to Home Depot and I bought a crappy smoker and I was terrible at it. But I got, you know, with, with YouTube and uh, books and uh, following certain people on Instagram and uh, there's just there's just so many resources out there to learn. And then I, I started finding and then when I would go on the road and uh, go to these barbecue restaurants, instead of like, you know, um, chatting them up just about like what I should order. I was chatting them up about, hey, how long do you cook this for and what kind of rubs you use? I was starting to learn from them, you know. Yeah. And uh, and so I just taught myself. I mean, that was only like maybe six years ago, you know. Yeah. And, and I grab I graduated up to. um having uh, a 900 pound gravity fed smoker in my front yard. And I have two Rectex next to it. And I have a Santa Maria, Santa Maria grill next to it. And I sit in my front yard and I, I built a barbecue shack the first week of a uh, quarantine. I, I, I wanted one. I kept seeing cool ones online. And so when the shutdown happened, 
I looked at my youngest son who loves to build stuff and I'm like, we're building a barbecue shack. So we built one and then it's become a focal point of the neighborhood and people walk by, I have a little, I have a little, uh, cement wall that only, you know, it's a real short one. So it's really yeah. easy to talk over it. And so, uh, people who are walking their dog to the park, I have a park next to my house too. I mean, I just have people stopping all day oh, and great. they want to talk about my smokers, you know, cause it's, it's kind of a unique thing. And, uh, now there's a lot of great places in LA, as you know, yeah. um, there's been this boom the past couple of years. So I was fortunate to be on the front end of that with my own personal journey to where I became friends with these other guys who were doing it at a high level. So, you know, all my buddies are the pop-up guys that go to the breweries, Barbacoa Boys and Bart's Barbecue and Smokey Jones Barbecue and Oso's Barbecue, uh, you know, all these guys. And then now there's a bunch of brick and mortar places like Slab and APL Restaurant. Um, so uh, so I, I just love being friends with these dudes and learning from them. And, you know, I'm not really trying to do barbecue on a professional level, like opening a restaurant. I mean, who knows what's in the cards, but. I don't look at them as like, uh, I'm not trying to even be on their level. Like I just enjoy yeah. having them as mentors and friends, you know, cause I respect what they do and how they do it. Well, I think that's part of the, you know, the most compelling thing when I talk to people that don't aren't in the barbecue world and don't, you know, they, they, they're, they have this idea that these pit masters are inaccessible when in fact technology has not only made them accessible, but the more that you're willing to ask questions, it's out of respect that you want to learn from them, but they're willing to share that information with you. Like they want to share that story. They want to pass on that information to the next generation of people that are curious about barbecue, whether you're, you know, it's just your side side hustle, your side passion, or you're a caterer or your barbecue competition cook, or you want to open up a restaurant, whatever you're doing, um, the amount of willingness that people will share, it's, uh, it, it's, it's very refreshing. And you got it. You, you better believe that when I'm on this tour, dude, uh, it's going to be aggressive coming in and out of some of the cities. So time willing, I'm going to be in every one of those kitchens talking up those pit masters yeah. and those guys behind the scenes, the, the brisket trimmers. I, I'm going to, I cannot wait to learn so much shit on this tour. <laughs> I, you, I'm, I'm excited for that. So that's, that's, let's, let's talk about this tour. So this barbecue tour going to Memphis in May, um, it's such an incredible idea on multiple levels, but I want to talk about it from a content level. So, so many comedians that are out there touring, they don't have something like this that you have. You've literally tapped into something that you love and care about that you're completely authentic about and that you've started to build this incredible community of people that are supporting you through it. But you're also going to document it in a way that is going to allow you to create evergreen content. Why, why are you doing that? I mean, it's such a unique tour that I have to, I mean, it would be a shame not to document it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, I just got, I got lucky enough to, um, to meet, um, some people that made sense, uh, for them to travel with me. You know, it's, it's this boyfriend and girlfriend that are really nice, cool people who just graduated from film school. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, connected with them on some other project. And, uh, we just started sh shooting the shit about it. And they were like, dude, we'll come with you. And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's make it happen. So we figured out how to make it happen. So they're going to shoot it for me. And just, I mean, like you said, we have a production studio in our pocket now. So even <laughs> yeah. just, just the Instagram stories are going to be a blast, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about it. And the fact that I, I'm basically doing a, a, a live version of my podcast. So if nothing else, I'll just be uploading those uh, Pitmaster Q and A's to YouTube and to my podcast, just like I did with the Warren G thing. 
uh, just going to rip that audio and make them mini podcast episodes. So for people that don't know, the concept of the tour is I'm going to barbecue restaurants across the country. I'm going to do my headline set. So it'd be anywhere from 45 to an hour of stand-up comedy. But then we're going to do 20 to 30 minutes of um, Q&A with the audience, me, and whoever the hosting pitmaster is. So at the show in San Diego, it'll be Sean. At uh, another barbecue restaurant, it'll be whoever the guy there is, you know? And uh, we can tell stories just like we do on podcasts. If the audience has specific questions, like, what do you put in your rub? We could talk about that. And I'm sure that'll lead to funny stories about trial and error, coming up with the rubs and things like that. So uh, I, I'm really looking forward to that component, man. That's going to be a blast. And so that's that's the main thing that caused me to want to have someone with me. Because I'm like, if we're doing these Q&As, there's going to be so much gold there uh, that people are, you know, are going to want to listen to that. I got to have someone to record that. Yeah, it's super, super exciting. I mean, it's it's new, it's different. I mean, especially like I told you when I was on your show, it was, if there wasn't a pandemic, this would be exciting as hell. But the fact that we're coming out of a pandemic and everyone just can't wait to get back into restaurants to, you know, even though it's going to be socially distanced and safe, like people just, we want to be around people. We want to hear fucking jokes. We want to hear laughter. We want to have some beers. We want to have some barbecue. Um, you know, we want to watch some sports. We want to do the things that, you know, we all love to do, which is, which is just get together, you know, share, share each other's, share each, share each other's time. And to your point, man, uh, it's it's a perfect branding fix mix or, or fit for me because I already do a lot of jokes about being a dad as you found out on my on my albums right <laughs> barbecue leads That's into universe, dad dad is a dad universal dad. language yeah can, yeah it's very authentic towards my dad jokes that you know it's barbecue thing but also man I I, I have very positive comedy you know? like very little of my comedy is bitching it's usually like maybe highlighting the absurdity of being a parent, but not bitching about being a parent, you know? Um, So I, I, and I never, that's, that was totally unintentional. It's just my point of view of life, I think in general. Um, So when my first album came out, one of the album reviews said it that way. And I took it as a huge compliment where they said, it's, it's a lot of, they go, it's, it's a lot of material you've kind of heard before. Uh, where it's like, you know, being a dad is like this or whatever, but it's a refreshing take on it because Williamson highlights it in a positive way, whereas most people bitch about, you know, being a husband and being a, a parent, you know? So I took that as a huge compliment. Um, and I think right now, more than ever, it's a good fit because people don't want to come out their first time coming out of their house and going to a live show. They don't want to hear about politics and my opinions uh, on this or that and beating it over their head. They want to hear about real life stuff and remember the funny stuff and not taking ourselves too seriously and being self-deprecating and, and laughing about the fun things in life, you know? So yeah. I hope I can bring that to, to people and, and, and give them something to, uh, to remember. So without ruining any of the content that's coming our way on May 6th, do you have any barbecue jokes or do you have a good barbecue story for us? So, you know, uh, I, I definitely have a few like little lines about barbecue, but I don't have full fledged, like worked out bits about barbecue. And it's something I'm excited about with this tour because being in all the restaurants, I'm undoubtedly going to get uh, some barbecue bits and stories out of it. So, yeah, I definitely look forward to that. I mean, I would say the main thing is just uh, I, I like to make fun of the fact that in L.A. I have this 900 pound smoker in my front yard and uh, anywhere else in the country like that wouldn't 
you know, mean anything to anybody that'd be like, oh, yeah. it's a, <laughs> in, in LA, it's definitely in a LA, it sticks people. out like a sore thumb. <laughs> and I say the only reason why it doesn't cause problems is because uh, I don't even think most people know what a smoker is out here. They just are like, is that a vault that you keep your kale in? And I'm like, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> my kale vault. <laughs> so, um, well, so I want to that. I want to give a shout out to Mike Perez. He's the one that originally introduced us. Yeah, that's right. I forgot how about you, that. How do you know Mike? Mikey, oh boy. Uh, I know Mike from the college days, man. He oh, was really? uh, he was over in Atlanta. So my best friend uh, went to Emory University and worked uh, waiting tables with Mike. Um, and so I was at Auburn. So I'd go over to Atlanta to party and then we'd all hang out. And then just have kept in touch over the years, man, as he's opened restaurants and um, been in the restaurant industry and, and uh, just always really thought he was such an impressive dude. And then we reconnected uh, through social media. One of the other wonders of social media, when you use it correctly to actually uh, be social and keep in touch with people, um, is uh, he lives in San Diego now and I live in L.A. And uh, he hit me up uh, during the pandemic and said, hey, man, I'm thinking about ordering a cow from Colorado and I want to get a couple guys to go in on it. Do you want to come in on it? And I go, I'm in. And <laughs> I happened to be doing a show with Bert down in San Diego. And so we set up uh, the meat draft for that particular weekend nice. that I was in town. So we were all, you know, we were all masked up and uh, came in there and, and he had all the cuts laid out on the table and we literally did it like a fantasy football draft That's we great. Picked names. So we knew the order. We had all the cuts. We had all our rankings. We had a time limit and That's people, great. people had to pick what cuts they want, you know, that um, is awesome. a meat draft. I love it. Yeah. It was really idea. fun. And I got to tell you, I put it, it, it was worth the price obviously because I got great meat out of it. But even if not the enthusiasm people had on my Instagram stories, for trying to guess what beat was going to go, what it was so much fun. I think there's something yeah. there to lean into in the future for sure. I want to do a pig one next. Yeah, um, pig draft. I like it. Yeah, but uh, the number one. Oh, so Mikey had the number one overall pick, and in a shocker, went with the tongue. He went with the tongue, really. Yeah. Okay. And, and then uh, everyone thought brisket was going to go first, but it was actually a smaller brisket. Um, so I think I had the second pick. So I actually skipped over the brisket and I went with, uh, I want to say I went with the tenderloins. There you go. And then the brisket went third. Uh, okay. so it was, it was fascinating. It was a lot of fun. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, a, another reason why we love social. We love digital. It's we, we lean into the positivity of all these, all this technology. And that's, you know, I wouldn't have met Mike if it wasn't for my podcast. Somehow he heard about it and then he reached out through LinkedIn and then he's like, Hey, you got to meet my buddy, Dave. Um, you know, I checked out your Instagram and saw all the incredible content and stuff you were doing. And then, you know, now look at, you're going to be coming down to Cali on May 6th and putting on a show and, you know, we're, we're just opening our restaurant back up. And I mean, I couldn't be more excited to be a part of this, you know, historic tour to Memphis. And, you know, I can't tell you how excited we are to watch it as it goes on, you know, because of social, like because of social, we'll feel like we're there with you yeah. seeing how these jokes progress. And just so people know too, like the, the, the way the tour started was because I wanted an excuse. Uh, I wanted to do some, some, you know, I wanted to work uh, so I could go to the Memphis to May, but <laughs> it turns out like I'm doing that the first week of the tour. 
And since other restaurants have reached out and I found other places, I'm going way past that. That's just the beginning. It's <laughs> the beginning. I'm going from LA to Texas to Memphis up to Pennsylvania, Boston, New York, Jersey, back down to Ohio, down through the Southeast. We're going to Carolinas, Georgia, Alabama, back up the gut to the Midwest, Indy, and, um, you know, and, and all up through there. And then I'm going to work my way uh, back through um, the, the middle of the country to Colorado and then down to Phoenix and then to Bakersfield, back to L.A. So it's going to be two right. months of just driving. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's going to be it's going to be the Forrest Gump picture of, of everyone following you by the end. I hope everyone so. following you, all the huge media outlets dying for the story. They want Netflix wants a deal. Amazon Prime wants a deal. Oh, Let's God, really? Please put please put that out in the uh, out <laughs> to the universe. I will put I, that out. They, they better start bidding on it because this is incredible content. I got a um, I bought a travel trailer. I finally found one the other day. That's going to work great. So I got the travel trailer. So me and these uh, uh, film student graduates can can sleep in the travel trailer. And so now I'm hustling, trying to get it wrapped. So uh, I, I got to yeah. get a graphic designer that can knock that out for me in the next day or two. And yeah. then uh, I'll have just enough time to get it wrapped. So keep your eyes out. If you're on the highway at any of those places, you might see my face holding a rack of ribs on the side of a travel trailer going down the highway. I love it. I love it. We can take some uh, some selfies down and uh, when you come down here to San Diego, that's going to be awesome. Where's uh, where's the best place for people to buy tickets? So if you go to DaveWilliamsonComedy.com, as uh, I'm, I'm putting the tour dates up there, there's a handful already up for sale. And then we'll be adding them, I'm sure, all the way up. I'm sure we'll still be adding them as the tour is going. I'm sure like I just had a phone call this morning from someone who caught wind of it and wants to be added. So we're, we're just going to keep adding. And uh the whole idea is the tour will kick off May 6th with you down in San Diego. And then it's going to go, I'll get back to LA and be home with my family on 4th of July, uh, which is a perfect time to wrap up a barbecue tour. Uh, let's come home and, and have ribs in my front yard on 4th of July. Uh, if you know of a place that'd be a good venue, feel free to reach out to me on uh, Instagram at Dave W comedy. And we'll see if we can add you to the routing. Or if you don't see your city up there, just keep an eye out because, like I said, I'm I'm confirming uh, with these restaurants and adding them every day. And you're still accepting sponsors, right? A hundred percent. Shout out, case, just in case someone's listening to this podcast and they're a global sponsor that wants to send you to Australia or Denmark or Norway to continue and, this this worldwide barbecue tour. That you're you're available to that conversation, correct? And any way that I can bring uh, value to um, a barbecue brand, uh, 100%. I'm wearing the hat right now. Bear Mountain uh, Barbecue Woods. They make pellets and some other things for uh, pellet smokers. Um, so they've been very supportive, man. Uh, so they're my title sponsor for this tour. Um, and then uh, Rec Tech has always been very cool to me, man. They make great pellet smokers. Um, so I'm going to be bringing my little travel smoker. Uh, my uh, Trailblazer 340. Uh, I, I, I have it. Uh, I, I bought one of the little platforms so I can mount it to the back of the travel trailer and take it on the road with me. So I'll be smoking my own meat as I go uh, mm-hmm. with my bar, my Bear Mountain pellets and my Rectech smoker. And if there's any other companies out there that feel like I could bring them some value by getting involved in this tour, uh, please feel free to reach out. I mean, I, I've got even, you know, small companies, uh, a, a dude, um, I'll give him a shout out. Uh, let me see uh, what his Instagram handle is so I can get it right. But um, dudes like this, small plate chef at small plate chef, 
Uh, he makes small plate blades on Instagram. This dude's making me a badass knife. So small businesses like that, they don't have money to, to, to throw at me for, for, you know, endorsements, but they're sending me a product that I know I believe in because I follow this dude and I see uh, his craftsmanship and I see that he's a good guy. Um, you know, there's all kinds of people that send me rubs and sauces. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I like to support people that are, they're taking swings. Burner Beef is a dude up in Illinois who makes uh, beef jerky, just a sweetheart of a dude. Um, who's really just, uh, you know, goes, works his nine to five during the day and then doesn't sleep because he's making uh, beef jerky at night for people to pick up. You know, there's just so many dudes like that around the country that, uh, that, that we can help each other. And, and, you know, I really believe in what they're doing. Well, I, I love what you're doing. I'm going to tell all of our barbecue podcasters, specifically Greg Rempe of the Barbecue Central Show, the number one barbecue podcast. I'm going to make sure he gets you on the show to talk about the tour, to promote the tour, to get some more awareness. I mean, barbecue comedy, this is this is what America needs right now. And the fact that you're out there doing it, doing the things that we love, doing it digitally, you're capturing the content. I mean, uh, Dave, I'm super excited. I'm honored to be the, uh, the, the first restaurant on the tour. Seriously, the West Coast Barbecue movement something that we talk about all the time and it's a it's a rising tide you know we all help each other stover my producer he's going to put links into the show notes for how people can buy tickets how they can download your cds how they can follow you on instagram follow you on social uh, follow your sponsors as well and uh, man we can't wait we're going to make some epic content i'm going to have my uh, rising tides creative they're going to be there capturing content from when you come um, so we can repurpose that into into another another podcast episode but it's going to be awesome man we can't wait love it man yeah and the last thing i'll plug too man is uh i've got my own rub now nice. I'm super excited about and uh that's you can get that pre-sale um at davewimpsoncomedy.com as well i haven't even announced it on instagram yet it's really? already beautiful happened. you already we have, have the, the we have some barbecue shops that would love to uh to have it in their stores done dude uh and more brian i'm coming for you I'm stoked about it because so many people hit me up and ask me about it's the number one question I get is what kind of rub, what kind of rub and my rub, like, I don't really have a go-to rub. It's just, I, it's mostly salt and pepper yeah. is the secret. Um, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm just a mad scientist with it. It depends. Like if I feel it depends who's eating it, if my kids are eating it, then I'll lay off the pepper flakes. If it's, uh, you know, someone who's coming over that I know they like, you know, this, or if it's pork, I like to put a little red in it. Cause I, I think it looks pretty, you know? So I just kind of brr, mix it up. So this is something that I think is a good, solid, all purpose rub that when I go on the tour bus or on the road, uh, I know it'll work on everything. I don't have to have six bottles with me. It's just the one thing that, that I don't even have to bring salt and pepper. If I'm eating a salad, I'll just drop this on top of it. Instead of salt and pepper, I'll use this as a, to make a bark. I'll use it to season a hamburger. You can use it for anything, you know? I love it. Well, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're part of, uh, you know, you're part of the rising tide. We can't thank you enough for listening to the podcast. Be sure to buy tickets. This, uh, this show is going to sell out. Um, but if you don't get a ticket and it's sold out, um, hit me up because, you know, we'll figure out a way to put a security jacket on you and get you in the show. <laughs> because uh, if you listen to this podcast, you listen to the bullshit that comes out of my mouth, you know how much we care about it. But more importantly, you're uh, you're part of the community and we want to make you better. But we also want you to be part of this historic night that's going down on May 6th, starting in San Diego and going all over uh, all over the United States. Dave Williamson, thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. John, thank you, brother. Can't wait to see you next week. Thank you.